Hi, friends. I'm Rob Tigan. And I'm Joanna. And this is the Growing Home Together podcast. We're caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God and each other. Thank you for joining us today at the Growing Home Together podcast. You know, I think from the time we first hold our newborn baby in our arms, we start building a list of fears for the future. So we dread the day that they ask questions like, where do babies come from? Or why does my friend have two moms? And is smoking pot that big of a deal? And our son's favorite question these days, when can I have a smartphone of my own? So I know we're tempted to put off hard conversations as long as we can, Or we hope that the experts at church or at school will maybe handle those topics for us. Yes, and and instead we can look at our kids' questions as an amazing opportunity to have gospel conversations and help our kids know God and His purpose for them more and more. Today's guests, Jimmy and Kristen Scroggins, have written an amazing book called Full Circle Parenting, A Guide for Crucial Conversations, as a roadmap to help equip us for those important moments with our children. Jimmy and Kristen have been married for 25 years and have eight children. They have served at Family Church in Florida since Jimmy became the lead pastor in 2008. The Scroggins family is passionate about the church's mission to build families by helping them discover and pursue God's design. So thank you, Jimmy and Kristen, for joining us today on the program. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, we're really excited about uh, talking with you guys, and it just really feels like what you are doing through your ministry and your podcast really meshes really well with what we're trying to do in South Florida. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I have to tell you, Jimmy and Kristen, I think Joanna wishes this book that you wrote, this resource, um, would have come out a few years ago, because maybe when our kids ask me hard questions, I would have come up with a better answer than go ask your mother. Yeah, I tend to, I tend to do the old, you know, go ask your mother kind of thing. And so your, your book, your book's not letting me off the hook there. So yeah, well, we're really excited to get to know more about you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. So as you said, we have six sons and two daughters. And then we also, in 2019, added two daughter-in-laws to our family. Um, Our two oldest boys each got married, one in June and one in December. And so then um, now we have two grandchildren. We have our firstborn son. um, He and his wife gave us our first grandson back in November. And our second born son and his wife gave us our first granddaughter this January. So we are laughing and at, at the seasons of life that we're in. We're grandparents while simultaneously still have an 11-year-old at home. So we have wow. a lot of conversations <laughs> on a daily basis with a lot of different uh, age groups. And so it's uh, it's fun. We love it, and we're grateful for all that the Lord has blessed us with. Yeah, that's... Not unlike- Guys, we're kind of like on the same track. Yeah, I see that you have a daughter-in-law as well, and aren't they a blessing from the Lord? Oh, oh yeah, she's are. she's amazing. Yeah, and we're we're kind of in that same thing too. We've got t- from ten to twenty-seven. Um, there you yeah. go, man. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then our and then our oldest daughter is actually getting married in about five or six weeks. So yeah, our family oh. feels oh. like it's growing fast. We're so happy for you with the grandbabies. I don't know we're how waiting. You have time to do a podcast. 
Yeah, we've just got to bolt down all the doors and, you know, <laughs> hope for the best. But um, so you guys have not only released uh, adult kids into the world and, and re- new grandkids, but you've birthed a new brand new book, too. And so I'm wondering if you can tell us how you came about to write the Full Circle Parenting. Yeah, so uh, like you guys, we've been working at parenting for a long time. So we've had the blessing and benefit of a lot of good mentors and models, including our own parents, uh, pastors and other people that we've known um, up close and personal. And then we've had the blessing of over the years going to conferences and reading books. And so, um, you know, God's really blessed us with a lot of good inputs on parenting. And then we have our own uh, experiences. But what we found out with our kids is that Uh, Parents really need uh, good theology to help them develop a good strategy to have good conversations. Mm -hmm. We found that true for ourselves, and we found that true in, you know, interacting with literally thousands of families in our ministry at church where parents ask us questions, because probably like you guys, they look at you and they say, you know, you guys can birth a lot of kids. Certainly, you know how to raise them. (laughs) (laughs) So we, we get asked a lot of questions about these sorts of things, and we just really feel like the good theology setting up a good strategy sets up good conversations. We wanted to share what we've learned with other parents. And it's not because we think we've got it all figured out. In fact, we know we do not have it all figured out. And this is not about us, you know, telling parents, here's how you do it. It's more just saying, hey, here's what we're learning and what we've learned along the way from other people and from the Lord and our own experiences and we just like to have an opportunity to share it. Yeah, and and on also one of the things that we were hoping to do with this book is that we want to encourage parents to embrace the role that God has ordained for them. So, you know, it's wonderful to have a church family and we talk about that in the book and it's so great to have mentors and to have like-minded parents. But the truth is the mandate to teach our children how to know and love God falls on mom and dad. And that's really important. And I think sometimes parents um, take a back seat because they're not sure how to talk about things. They're not sure if their theology or their uh, thinking of Scripture is outdated. And so we just want to equip and encourage parents to embrace this role that God has given them and, and remind them that each one of these conversations, little or small, really should all be pointing our kids back to God's good design for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, really clearly the night one of our girls asked me how a mommy gets a baby in her tummy. And mm-hmm. she asked so many questions <laughs> and she made me repeat myself like over and over again until she was really sure that she had a handle on it. And it was it was kind of uncomfortable for me. I, I really was so delighted with her curiosity and that she felt um, confident to ask those questions of me, but I know I felt kind of insecure, like maybe I'm doing this wrong. Um, and I was just wondering in your own family, you know, what kind of conversations did you have with your own children? And, um, were there certain ones that, that kind of blindsided you at all? And how did you handle that? 
Right. Well, there are some conversations that we kind of know going in, okay, if we're going to birth these children, we're going to have these conversations. And one of them is, is the conversation you just talked about. Where do babies come from? Now, we're sometimes blindsided about the moment that they begin asking it, but we do know that that conversation is going to happen. And so you've, even though you felt insecure about it, you probably had some things already that you had thought of, but there are other conversations, um, you know, some of them that are very prevalent right now is about marriage and sexuality. And it's changing so much, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, not God's word and what he expects of all of that, but just the society is just grappling with, you know, how, how far do we take everything? And so some of those questions may blindside us because maybe mom and dad aren't living that world as much as our kids are are noticing it changing. And so there are conversations that just kind of knock us off of our pins But that's kind of what the point is of this book, is that if we can have this good theology that, you know, we we have an example in there where we talk about counterfeit money that, you know, people that are trying to figure out um, whether money is counterfeit or not, they don't study every single variation of the bill. They, they, you can't, there's too much. And Mm -hmm. so they, they study the true thing. And then when something comes, that's a, that's, counter to that, they can spot it easily. And that's kind of what we are saying in in our book, that um, there are going to be a lot of conversations, some planned and a lot unplanned. But if we have this foundation of understanding who God is and how we fit in with his world and that he really has things for us to do, if we're looking at all of these conversations through that filter, it really does help us spot the truth and, and pass that on to our children. Yeah, that's that's great. And um, in your book, you talk about using a tool called the three circles um, in your parenting. So can you tell us how that, that works? Yeah, so uh, the three circles is, uh, is a tool that we developed here at Family Church, I mean, over a decade ago now. And uh, we created it as an open source tool. And so we, we intentionally didn't copyrighted or trademarked or anything. And so different ministries and people have used it around the world for evangelism. But we actually developed the tool to talk to families about marriage and about parenting. And the tool basically just describes a process of thinking about God's design, like God has a design for every aspect of our lives, every one of these different areas that we're having conversations with our children about. Um, we all uh, have, uh, we all sin against God. And so we do things our own way. We depart from God's design. Every time we depart from God's design through our sin, we, we end up uh, in some level of brokenness. And then we try to fix our own brokenness by trying to hide it or trying to alleviate the pain of it or trying to escape from it. But really all of that is God's goodness to us because uh, brokenness is what makes us want to change. Mm-hmm. And the Bible has a word for change, and the word is repent. And that's what we need to do when we feel broken. It's a reminder that, hey, uh, God has a design. We need to get back to that. And the path to God's design from sin and brokenness goes through the gospel. We have to repent in our hearts, change our hearts, and we and we have to um, we have to have faith. We have to believe and trust in the good news of Jesus that He's taken our sins on Himself on the cross. He's forgiven us as believers. And now, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of our church family, we can recover and pursue God's design from whatever the brokenness is. And this gives parents, if parents will think about this as a conversation map, 
mm-hmm. not a script. It really gives parents a map for any potential conversation that will come up. So like you guys mentioned, what if not only our kids are saying, hey, is, is smoking pot that bad? But what if you find out your kids are smoking pot and you don't like that and you wish they wouldn't do it? What do you do? Do you say, oh, my gosh, you you filthy, you know, drug addict or do you <laughs> or do you want to have a better map for a conversation that can point your kids to a more redemptive place? And that's what the gospel offers us anyway. So we just want parents to think if you have this map ready ahead of time, when you're blindsided by something you discover or something that is asked or something that comes up, you at least have a map, a place to go with the conversation that has a potential to end up in a really good place. Yeah, that's that's great. So, so I'm going to ask for a, a, my own situation here. So Joanna mentioned uh, in the introduction that our 10-year-old is so anxious to get his hands on his own phone. And um, I think every family we know struggles with healthy boundaries um, with technology, especially today. So can you kind of walk me through how the three-circle conversation would would work uh, if, as I talk to my son about about technology? Yeah, so um, when we when we think about that, we do believe that God has a design for technology. Mm-hmm. So technology, um, you know, God uh, gives human beings the ability to take dominion over the earth in Genesis chapter 1. And part of taking dominion is developing systems and uh, using the resources we have on earth to develop different technologies. And uh, smartphones are no different. Uh, technology can be used for good or used for evil. And the internet, smartphones, certainly has great potential for, for good and also great potential for evil. And so part of it, what we do is we talk through our kids is part of the way that God has designed this is for us as parents to be able to teach the kids how to manage mm-hmm. uh, these different uh, areas of our lives and technology be one. I don't think technology is a battle that you win. I think it's... Um, it's God's good gift that we have to manage. And Kristen is really good at talking about this concept of management. Yeah. Well, so, you know, when we, when we think about management, it's, it's an encouragement to parents that we can then extend to our, our children because, you know, there just are going to be some times when our kids don't get it right. Um, in this area, there might be sometimes when we don't get it right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> with technology, and you know whether even even if you decide your ten year old isn't going to have a have a phone, and, and we're with you, our, ours doesn't either. They have friends that have phones, and so you know there's going to always be things that come up when you live in this world um, that they're going to have to figure out. And sometimes they're you know we've had a situation where one of our kids had something put in front of his face, and before he could even figure out what was going on, he had already seen it. Mm-hmm. And so then now you're saying, okay, now you're pointing back to okay, well, what is God's design for the way that we you know that we use our eyes. What, what's God's design? Once something happens that maybe you didn't have control of at first, how, how did you respond later? And you're not necessarily trying to walk your child through the entire, uh, three circle presentation presentation every (laughs) single time they talk to you, because I have a feeling they would stop talking to you, (laughs) but that's the grid that you have in your mind. And so some of these conversations are one-time conversations, but almost all parenting conversations are 
multiple, multiple times. And so maybe you're working through a little bit of it. And, you know, part of, you know, with a 10 year old, you may say, hey, you know, this is God's good gift, but this has to be managed. And part of how we're going to help you manage that right now is we're just going to to wait. And so there may be some times with supervision when I, when mom lets you use her phone or whatever, but, you know, we're going to, to use our job as parents to help protect you and help get you ready for this tool that, you know, that God has allowed into the world. And so, you know, if something happens, it's negative. You talk about brokenness, you talk about how, how they can be restored. And I, I think as a parent, that's one of the biggest challenges is, you know, we have parents so many times say, well, I feel like if I'm too hard on my kids, and I tell them, you know, the truth about what scripture says, it just sounds so harsh and they may not come to me. Mm-hmm. Or there are parents that are very good at explaining that kind of stuff. And yet there's not a lot of redemptive qualities in, the, in that conversation. Yeah. And so both approaches tend to make our kids shut down or retreat and go to other sources for wisdom and accountability. And that's such a shame because, again, God has put mom and dad in their life to help shape them, to help point them to his goodness for them. And so um, I just think helping them figure out how to manage things. And when they're young, you're helping them manage it by with, you know, yeah, keeping not letting them have it. Yeah. yeah. But as they get older and you give them a little more freedom, then that conversation of management just continues over and over. And sometimes you give freedom and you have to pull back a little because you realize you've given more than they can handle. And then you, you know, slowly release that grip and just just for them to see that, hey, this is mom and dad loving you so much that we are trying to point you to God's design. We're not trying to withhold good things from you. I don't view you son or daughter as the enemy. I don't want them to view me as the enemy. This isn't about us fighting each other's perspectives or, you know, wishes, but it's really about mom and dad linking arms and pointing their children to who God is and what he has for them to do. Mm, That's so good. Yeah. And, you know, I think something that really sets your book apart is um, it's not just preventive. I think there's been a lot of tools created to kind of keep bad things from happening or, or uh, keep our children from making mistakes, I think. And like you say, with so much compassion, that's just not possible because we all fail. We all make mistakes. And one of the most powerful points in your book uh, for me was the need to reframe our perspective on our children. And you describe how if our child has a sin issue, like lying, for example, that it's maybe tempting to see our child as all bad and we start running our child through this filter of their sin issue but you challenge us to look at our kids as not all bad or all good, but as complex, as you put it. Can you help us understand that idea of complexity a little better? Sure. So, if could I could I maybe answer that with a look, just a quick story? And um, with when our daughter, one of our daughters, was in early middle school years, she she had the most tender missionary heart. She still does. She wants to go on the mission field one day. And she prayed for people and just was heartbroken when people didn't know the Lord. And we were so grateful for that. So proud of it. You know, we kind of, we didn't realize we were doing it, but we had pat great, ourselves on the back parents. a little bit. We I must mean, be awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're nailing this parenting thing. And then we got <laughs> 
of our pens because we realized this same sweet girl who had a missionary heart, who prayed for people, was also this incredible liar. Mm. And she would, High skill. She would lie <laughs> about things that had no bearing. It didn't matter mm-hmm. at all. It, it got to the point that it was so bad. And I share this with her full permission. I'll, I'll not say her name, but she she's given us permission to share this because the Lord really has done a redemptive work in her life in that area. But that at that time, it was such a besetting sin for her. It was so bad one time that I caught her in this lie that was so mean towards this middle school girl in our youth group. I had to call the mom and ask if we could meet them in this grocery store parking lot so that my daughter could confess. And, and you want to talk about not patting yourself on yeah. the back as a parent. That was a huge, super humiliating, embarrassing. And so we get home and I told Jimmy, I'm like, oh my gosh, is she just a complete fake? Like we thought that she, you know, had a missionary heart and she was praying. Maybe she's just a fake. And I was so convicted in that moment because in that moment, I was trying to put more on her than I was willing to take on myself. So, mm-hmm. for, gosh, I have sin in my life, too, that creeps up constantly, and I have to confess and repent. So why would I expect my daughter, who is still learning you know, about her faith, to not have those same issues? So you realize they're not, they're not one or the other. She's not either— this sweet, tender-hearted girl that has a missionary heart or a liar who is just faking everything. It's both. She she had this deep sense of love for the Lord and yet this besetting sin that had, had taken root in her heart. But that was so helpful for us to discover as parents because it, it helps you keep moving forward. You're not just all of the sudden this failure as a mom and a dad and neither is your child. And so when you start talking to them in terms of, you know, God's design and then the brokenness that they're experiencing and how to get out of that brokenness and not just how you can have forgiveness, but how you can be restored mm. and used for his glory. That is such a powerful thing to teach our children that they um, will then see, see that is true for themselves, but they also can begin to view other people in that light. And it just helps them be really good forgivers, helps them be better friends, better brothers and sisters. And uh, it's just a more grace-filled environment in our homes. And it's not that we don't have standards and it's not that we don't hold up what's true. You have to hold up God's design or the brokenness doesn't really, the pointing them to brokenness doesn't mean anything. It's just a redemptive way to think about it. And 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 what we, we like to tell our kids is God always stays in the game with his people. And so if we will repent, we're going to be restored and we're going to be used of him. And man, that's freeing for me as a mom, for my own self and for my kids. And we have so many parents too that talk to us and they do struggle with that. So parents will say, you know, how can my kid do, you know, do these good things and do these bad things. Yeah. And it, and they, they, it, it just completely throws the parents off and we've learned Boy, your kid, you know, when your kids worshiping the Lord and raising their hands, singing in church or volunteering in the at the feeding ministry or whatever, that's that can that's real. That's yeah. not them being fake. That's real. But their sin's real too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, and we're the exact same way. And I just love this idea. And I, I tell you, it gives us a, a vernacular too for our for our family. So like almost every day, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a bunch of kids that are in high school and middle school and college, <laughs> there's there's drama all the time with the friends <laughs> or on the ball team or whatever. Yep. 
And so it just gives you a way to, you know, so constantly, almost every day we'll go, you know what? That is irritating that that happened. But you know what? Everybody's complex. And we'll all kind of laugh. Yep, we're all complex. And it just does give you a way to be more kind and more open towards other people, even when you don't love everything that they're doing. Yeah, I um, I found the way you framed that in the book so freeing because I think it, it's so easy, like you said, when you have a bunch of kids, you forget how much you attach yourself to their successes or their failures and bring it on yourself. So if they if they sin, you know, oh, I'm a horrible parent, and if if they're doing great, oh, I'm and so that <laughs> that reality is is really helpful and it also helps in the gospel conversations because I think if we you know see them as all bad, then we don't have that grace and we don't have that sense of restoration. But if we see them as all good, we stop having those gospel conversations because we think, oh, they've got this, you know, they're good. Um, so it was really helpful the way you frame that. Hi, friends. Rob and Joanna Tigan of Growing Home Together are the parents of five kids ranging in age from elementary school to high school to adult newlyweds. They know the fun and joy and also the stress and confusion that can come with raising kids through all ages and all stages of growing up. Just like you, they worry over their children's safety and well-being. They feel pressure to train their kids to do what's right. They carry sadness when their kids struggle or make poor choices. And as parents like you, their greatest hope is to bring up children who know God's love in their life. But Rob and Joanna know they can't control what happens with their kids or the people they become. They've learned how important it is to place their sons and daughters in God's hands. And most of all, they've learned the power of prayer to make a difference in their children's lives. This is why they are so passionate to help moms and dads like you to pray for your kids. They've created two amazing resources, Powerful Prayers for Your Son and Powerful Prayers for Your Daughter. These beautiful books offer page after page of targeted prayers that cover every kind of challenge and hope your kids will face as they grow. Is your child facing hard circumstances? Are they lonely or anxious? Do they struggle to know God and trust Him? Is it hard to build a close relationship together? Take hold of powerful prayers for your son and powerful prayers for your daughter to invite God's love and power into your child's life today. Each title is available for you at growinghometogether.com or wherever books are sold. And now, back to the show. Recently, I had to eat a big old piece of humble pie because <laughs> our daughter is engaged to be married. And uh, she came and she said to me, I know that God said we're supposed to wait until we get married to have sex. And I know that it would be wrong to be intimate with him before the wedding. And I know that they're very committed to honoring God in that way. But she said, I never really knew why it was wrong or why it was a big deal if we didn't wait. And so lately she's actually been really leaning in to understand God's design for sex in a whole new way. But as her mom, I I felt like a big fat failure because I wasn't the one to help her unpack that why behind God's design for their intimacy. And so I was wondering what you would tell a mom or a dad who wants to communicate God's truth about sexuality to their kids. Well, I think um, definitely it's mom, mom and dad's job to uh, shepherd that process. Um, if you're a, you know, if, if you're a Christian, um, then then you should 
be planning for that. Like Christian said earlier, like that, the conversation about sexuality um, and the gift of sexuality and how to manage sexuality is something we all know we have to deal with really from the time they're little. Um, but I also think there's no shame in just saying, uh, you know, God puts other people in our kids' lives to also speak into their lives. And all of us have had those moments as Christian parents where, you know, you, you've been telling your kid their whole life that they should memorize scripture. And also when they're in eighth grade or 10th grade or whatever, they come home and go, oh my gosh, you know what pastor so-and-so said? He said, I should memorize scripture. Now why, you know, yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> he's a genius, you know, I'm so glad that you, yeah. and, and all of us have those times, but Praise God that we are able to surround ourselves with networks of allies and people who can help us drive the gospel into their hearts and different applications. And boy, that can be a powerful thing. And, you know, just specifically about what you said, I think that the key is and mom, let me let me help you feel a little better about yourself in the sense that, wow, that your daughter even had that conversation with you and had such a tender heart to know God's will in that way. So you may not have had the specific conversations with her about the why, but you sure have spent a lifetime of hers pointing her to God's goodness for her to even be open to those things. And so we can't, we have to remember that that's, that that's a big part of our job too. But what, what we try to do is anytime um, any of our children, no matter how old they are, Start talking about boy and girl relationships, whether they're very little or teenagers or college students. Somehow, if Jimmy and I can help it, we turn that conversation to marriage. So not specifically, are you going to marry that boy that you like right now? But just, hey, just keep in mind that all of these relationships, it's a good thing, daughter, that you find boys attractive. Son, it's a good thing that you notice that that girl is cute. That's part of God waking you up and helping you learn how to be a man and to relate to women. But then we're always pointing them back to, and let we have to remember that God has this great and perfect design for you within marriage. And so anything that's a departure from that is, is not good for you or for the person that you're with. And so constantly in those conversations, even when they're, Ooh, that girl is cute. You know, we, yeah, she is cute. And that's important because you have to be attracted, but just keep in mind that there's other things. And so it's these little conversations that you have in relation to marriage, sexuality, what God expects of our purity, that really we walk with them through year after year after year. Right. And I think the message that um, I was trying to convey when we would talk about her sexuality was the reason that God puts boundaries around that is because he loves you. So she did take away, I know God loves me, but there are so many actually beautiful layers to that. The good thing for us is uh, you and you and I both have several children. So when we realize, oops, we didn't do that <laughs> right in that one area, then, then by the time we our baby is done, we're going to be like, look at this awesome kid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Talk about pressure on that last kid, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. What did I say, Rob? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I think that's where your your book, Going This Full Circle, is so helpful, too, as a parent, because... You know, for Joanne and I, I mean, you, I mean, you've probably heard the story where the parent says, you know, sex is a horrible, terrible, bad thing, so you should save it for marriage, you know, kind of idea. 
And um, so I think I think sometimes we communicate biblically, you know, okay, you know, God says save sex for marriage or whatever, but we don't give the full circle. You know, we don't talk about God's initial design and that it was meant to be beautiful and he's got a plan for it and then the brokenness and then back to the restoration, you know? So I think sometimes that's where this book is helpful too, um, to parents is that they can actually start making those connections that we, we can actually tell our kids, have these hard conversations with them, but give them hope and joy in the middle of it. So, um, just, a, just another thought there, but, um, I, I do want to, you know, just transition into another, I guess, hard question since we're talking about, um, these hard questions, but we know a young man who's begun the process of changing his gender. And when he told his family, they were of course upset and broken and, and they actually met to have an intervention and talk this through, well, he came away from that feeling very condemned and rejected, and so their relationship is still very damaged and broken. And so I'm just wondering, in a situation like that, what would be the most loving and helpful way the parent can respond, um, you know, when that kind of hard question is, is dropped on them? Well, you know, in our church, we have, um, you know, multiple kind of um, examples of this kind of conversation. And so what we try to do um, with kids is the same thing if there was maybe a more mild form of sin, if if you can allow me to say that. So like the same thing if we had a a heterosexual couple that was uh, their their son was living with the girlfriend Mm -hmm. or still say, hey, you know what? They're working. They're living out the opportunity they have as an image bearer to make real decisions with real consequences. And I'm going to respect their God given right and opportunity to do that even as I try to shape their thinking on these things. So I don't know if that's what you're getting at, Robert. That's kind of my, that's how we encourage parents around here. Yeah. And I just want to add to that though. It, it, so that's exactly right. Jimmy nailed it. But also just to reiterate something that he said that, that may get lost is that part of our job as parents is to tell our kids the truth and in love. So you've got this dual thing going on. You know, it's not kind and it's not um, it's not loving to withhold God's design from our kids. And so it's not that you don't tell them that, you know, if they're if 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 that child is at a spot where they're coming to you for guidance, asking even even if they're not, that you must make a plea from God's word as to why that that would be um, sin and brokenness. And yet at what Jimmy said is right at some point, especially if they're adults, they, they have to be accountable to God and make adult decisions. And so, you know, every conversation can't be, I love you, but I disapprove Mm -hmm. that because the truth is once you've told them that, and it's probably going to be more than once that you've told them that on an issue that large, at some point they know and you've just got to keep keep loving them and staying in the game with them because just to mimic what Jimmy said that's so true when we depart from God's design we are going to experience sin and brokenness and devastation it's a matter of time and so parents have to be in the game so that they can be that voice in their kids life to help get them back on track if they're willing to do it and the hope of all this parenting is that if they're willing to repent and get back on track, God is there to pick them up and restore them and get them back 
you know, to his good design for them from where they are from the year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you tell us how the three circles um, has created change in your own family as you've, as as you've been using kind of the three circles and the full circle idea, how, how has that changed your family? Well, again, I think the best way it's changed our family is it just gives us a vocabulary. So our kids are aware, again, we're not sitting around every night at dinner going, now, you know what the three circles is. (laughs) But but it does give us a map, even for our own conversations with our kids, and it gives our kids a map for conversations with us. So they can say, you know, um, they they kind of know the drill. So like when something's happening, we can say, well, you know, how do you feel about that? What do you think God says about that? And they have a vocabulary and a, a way of thinking about what's going on in their own heart and their own lives or the lives of their friends or the lives of their siblings. And it gives us a way to have the conversations. And can I just say a, a fringe benefit of this three circle thinking, you know, with God's design, sin and brokenness and then gospel and restoration is that it has helped um, kind of unify our family and our thinking so that the, the brothers and sisters, instead of being enemies, whenever somebody does something wrong, they really do. Um, and now don't, this isn't a Pollyanna thing where they always do this, but generally speaking, they really are cheering for each other. They really do have each other's back and they really do understand this idea of complexity in each one of their brothers and sisters and in themselves so that they don't write each other off whenever they're wronged, um, you know, by their brother or sister, or they see things that they're struggling with, or maybe they've embarrassed the family, you know, for whatever reason that they've sinned publicly, that we all kind of have each other's back and we're in the game with each other. Because just like we say that God stays in the game with his people, that's our job as families, right? To stay in the game with each other. And so I really am, am grateful um, for, for God's gift in that. Yeah, that's great. So um, you say in the book, it is crucial that Christian parents are prepared to inject God's design into all kinds of conversations with our kids. And as we as we kind of wrap up here, I would imagine, um, I was just wondering if, if one of you would be willing to pray for those listening today that um, God would just give them a wisdom to um, know how to interject those conversations and have those conversations with their kids, or if they're going through a hard situation, maybe that, um, yeah, that, that God would just be with them in that and in those conversations with, with their kids. Yeah, Rob, I'd love to pray. Let's do that right now. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I pray in the name of Jesus for listeners who uh, are parents, moms, dads, people with all kinds of family configurations, different backgrounds, different contexts. God, I thank you that you have a design for every aspect of our lives, for our singleness, for our marriage, for recovering from a divorce, for blended families, for foster families, for adoptive families. God, you have a plan for and a design for sexuality and technology and for friendships. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that our listeners would just... um, believe and um, latch on to this idea that you care, that you have a plan and a design. I pray that as we do that, you'd help us to discern what that is, because some of these issues are very complex and out of the box for us. God, I pray that you'd help us to discern your design and then give us a way to articulate it to ourselves and to our children. And God, would you, by the Holy Spirit, help us? Would you put people from our church families to help us 
Would you surround our children with good voices who are telling them good things about who you are? And I pray that all of us would be redemptive in all conversations, believing that you can uh, redeem any situation, that you can uh, pull us in and lift us up out of any pit that we fall into. God, we love you. We thank you that you love us and you love our children. Help us to love you more, to love them more, and to be great shining examples on this earth of what your kingdom is like in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for your encouragement today, Jimmy and Kristen. You have given us a lot of hope and a great tool to help us grow in our parenting. Uh, Can you tell our listeners where they can go online to connect with you and learn more about your resources? Sure. You can connect with us. There's a website, fullcircleparentingbook.com, or you can pre-order the book or order the book on any of the outlets that you would normally, Amazon and so forth. If you want to know more about Family Church, our website is gofamilychurch.org. We have another website where Kristen has a great podcast for moms called The Mom Village, and that's at familychurchnetwork.com. Awesome. Thanks uh, so much, Jimmy and Kristen, and uh, today's conversation was really powerful, and um, I promise I'm not getting paid for this commercial, but we just scratched the surface of the great stuff that was in that book, so I would encourage people to uh, pick up the book and Um, Just thank you so much for talking to us today. And thank you, friends, for joining us here at the Growing Home Together podcast. Uh, We would love to connect with you as well on our website, growinghometogether.com, and share our free marriage devotional. Um, If you'd like to download that and for other resources for kids as well. Um, At Growing Home Together, we are caring for the soul of your family. And we're growing home together with you. Bye-bye. Bye.